Hello, this is Michael Schatz, Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology in Practice. It is my pleasure to present to you the highlights of our December 2023 issue. The theme of this issue is Women's Health and Allergy Immunology, and we thank Jennifer Namazi and Allison Ramsey for serving as coordinators for this theme. The outstanding theme articles include an in-depth exploration of female physicians in allergy, a summary of asthma and rhinitis across the lifespan of women, the management of asthma during pregnancy, the interrelationships among COVID-19, pregnancy, and asthma and other allergic conditions, gestogen hypersensitivity, and the unique aspects of drug allergy in women. A very insightful theme editorial by theme coordinators Jennifer Namazi and Allison Ramsey does a terrific job of summarizing and contextualizing these theme review articles. In addition to the theme review articles, the December issue contains an important American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology position statement advocating proactive penicillin allergy evaluation in patients with a penicillin allergy label a consensus statement regarding the definition of clinical remission in severe asthma, a rostrum exploring the ethical considerations of continuing oral immunotherapy after the development of eosinophilic esophagitis, and a clinical management review of multiple chemical sensitivity syndrome, also known as idiopathic environmental intolerance. Now I would like to present the highlights of the original articles in the issue, which are on the subjects of asthma, cough, drug allergy, food allergy, rhinitis and sinusitis, and urticaria and angioedema. The first article is Mepolizumab in Patients with Severe Asthma and Comorbidities, One-Year Reality A Analysis by Lou et al. What is already known? Severe asthma is complex and comorbidities such as chronic rhinosinusitis with nasal polyps, gastroesophageal reflux disease, depression anxiety, and coexisting chronic obstructive pulmonary disease contribute to the disease burden. What does this article add to our knowledge? In this post hoc analysis, mepolizumab improved real-world clinical outcomes in patients with severe asthma in both the presence and the absence of comorbidities. Patients with comorbid chronic rhinosinusitis with nasal polyps showed a particularly favorable treatment response. How does this study impact current management guidelines? A multidisciplinary approach to enable patients with severe asthma and comorbid conditions to receive timely targeted treatment should be pursued, with a range of clinical outcomes assessed to determine overall response or remission achievement as standard practice. The next article is Sex, Ethnicity, Body Mass Index, and Environmental Exposures Associated with NSAID Exacerbated Respiratory Disease Symptom Sequence. What is already known about this topic? Non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug, NSAID, Exacerbated Respiratory Disease, is a chronic disease characterized by nasal polyposis, asthma, and NSAID hypersensitivity. However, knowledge remains limited regarding the symptom onset and progression. What does this article add to our knowledge? 
In this sample, different NSAID exacerbated respiratory disease patterns were associated with age, sex, ethnicity, body max index, and or environmental exposures. How does this study impact current management guidelines? A better understanding of the potential risk factors, progression, and diagnostic challenges of NSAID exacerbated respiratory disease may help in earlier detection and the development of personalized treatments for NSAID exacerbated respiratory disease. The next article is Long-Term Efficacy and Safety Among Patients with Severe Eosinophilic Asthma Treated with Mepolizumab and Its Effect on Small Airways. What is already known about this topic? Mepolizumab is safe and effective in treating patients with severe eosinophilic asthma up to four and a half years. What does this article add to our knowledge? Our study demonstrates that mepolizumab is a safe and effective treatment for up to six and a half years. After treatment with mepolizumab, all 67 patients in our cohort revealed a 30.4% increase in forced expiratory flow at 25% to 75%, FEF2575. There was a 40% median increase of the FEF2575 in the 47 super responders, with very little change in the forced expiratory volume in one second, FEV1. How does this study impact current management? To effectively manage patients treated with biologics, it is important to follow the FEF2575 because this is indicative of small airway disease, which is an integral part of severe eosinophilic asthma. Moreover, all research comparing different biologics as well as attempts to define a super responder to various biologics should include FEF2575 rather than just FEV1. The next article is Dietary Inflammatory Index and Clinical Outcome Measures in Adults with Moderate to Severe Asthma by Visser et al. What is already known about this topic? Diet is increasingly recognized as an immunomodulatory factor for lung health. The Dietary Inflammatory Index, DII, scores the inflammatory potential of a diet. Whether a pro- or anti-inflammatory diet is associated with asthma outcomes is unclear. What does this article add to our knowledge? Most patients with moderate to severe asthma had a pro-inflammatory diet associated with lower forced vital capacity values. However, few and inconsistent associations were observed for DII and specific pro- or anti-inflammatory food groups with other functional clinical and inflammatory outcomes. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Although not supportive of pro- or anti-inflammatory diets affecting asthma outcomes, our cross-sectional study does not allow recommendations for asthma management. Well-designed experimental studies should determine whether targeting the inflammatory potential of a diet improves clinical outcomes. The next article is the risk of neuropsychiatric adverse events with use of leukotriene receptor antagonists in patients with asthma. 
Analysis of Korea's National Health Insurance Sharing Service Database by Kim et al. What is already known about this topic? There is conflicting evidence regarding the risk of neuropsychiatric adverse events with Montelukast use. What does this article add to our knowledge? Montelukast use was associated with an increased risk of hallucinations and attention problems regardless of the duration of medication administration. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Physicians should ask patients prescribed Montelukast about hallucinations and attention problems and alert new patients to whom Montelukast is prescribed about them. The next article is Metabolic Dysfunction, Triglyceride Glucose Index, and the Risk of Severe Asthma Exacerbation by Staggers et al. What is already known about this topic? Metabolic dysfunction is associated with worse asthma outcomes and is a proposed treatable trait in asthma. How best to ascertain and classify metabolic dysfunction is unclear. What does this article add to our knowledge? The triglyceride glucose index, a composite measure of metabolic health, predicts the occurrence of severe asthma exacerbations independent of conventional risk factors. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Patients with elevated triglyceride glucose indices may warrant intensification of asthma treatment and may represent a target population for clinical trials of metabolic interventions for purposes of improving asthma outcomes. The next article is Patient Global Impression of Severity Scale in Chronic Cough, Validation and Formulation of Symptom Severity Categories by Radigan et al. What is already known about this topic? The Patient Global Impression of Severity, PGIS, scale is increasingly used in chronic cough. However, little is known about its validity. In addition, commonly used cough-specific patient-reported outcomes have no defined severity threshold scores. What does this article add to our knowledge? The PGIS scale is valid, repeatable, and responsive in patients with chronic cough. Severity threshold scores are suggested for the commonly used cough severity visual analog scale, VAS, and cough-specific health status, Lester Cough Questionnaire, LCQ. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Our findings support the use of the PGIS scale and severity threshold scores in VAS and LCQ for the assessment of cough, including the therapeutic effect and efficacy in clinical and research settings, respectively. The next article is Different Patterns of Response in Hypersensitivity Reactions to Aeropropionic Acid Derivatives by Salas Casanello et al. What is already known about this topic? Non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, particularly ibuprofen and other aeropropionics, are the main triggers of drug hypersensitivity. However, no studies with large series of patients have evaluated all the spectrum of reactions and clinical phenotypes they induce. 
What does this article add to our knowledge? Ibuprofen and dexketoprofen mainly induce cross-reactive hypersensitivity, whereas naproxen and ketoprofen induce immunologically mediated reactions. Although skin is the most commonly affected organ, simultaneous skin and airway involvement, blended reactions also represent a frequent phenotype. How does this study impact current management guidelines? This study includes the largest series of aeropropionic hypersensitive patients, describing clinical phenotypes and providing detailed information about diagnosis and clinical management. Some phenotypes not considered in current guidelines have been also taken into account. The next article is Placebo-Controlled Histamine Challenge Disproves Suspicion of Histamine Intolerance by Bent et al. What is already known about this topic? Histamine intolerance, HIT, is commonly suspected in patients with unexplained gastrointestinal and allergy-like symptoms. Studies using a placebo-controlled histamine challenge are rare, and the value of serum diamine oxidase, DAO, remains inconclusive. How does this article add to our knowledge? A single-blind, placebo-controlled histamine challenge is safe and includes HIT in the majority of patients. Histamine skin prick test wheel sizes do not discriminate HIT from non-HIT patients. Serum DAO analysis is not specific enough for diagnosis. How does this study impact current management guidelines? High DAO levels may be determined to exclude HIT, whereas low levels are quite common and not diagnostic. Thus, a single-blind, placebo-controlled histamine challenge is required to confirm the diagnosis. The next article is Frequent Allergic Sensitization to Farmed Edible Insects in Exposed Employees by Ganserman et al. What is already known about this topic? Limited case reports and case series have indicated that exposure to insects used in pet food, scientific research, or live fish bait can cause occupational allergy. What does this article add to our knowledge? Employees exposed to edible insects in farming facilities frequently reported respiratory tract symptoms and exhibited frequent allergic sensitization. House dust mite-sensitized individuals not exposed to insects also can show signs of sensitization, likely through cross-reactivity. Finally, adjustment can result in a substantial reduction of exposure. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Preventative measures will be crucial to limit allergic sensitization in this growing industry. Regulations on maximal levels of organic dust exposure are urgently needed. The next article is Impairment of EQ5D5L Domains According to Allergic Rhinitis and Asthma Control, a Mask Air Real-World Study by Sousa Pinto et al. What is already known about this topic? Asthma and rhinitis are associated with lower quality of life, as assessed by tools such as the ED5D5L, EuroQOL, Five Domains, Five Levels Questionnaire. However, 
the impact of rhinitis or asthma control in each of the different EQ5D5L domains has remained unclear. What does this article add to our knowledge? In this mHealth-based real-world data study, worse rhinitis and asthma control were associated with higher pain discomfort and greater impairments in the performance of daily activities. Worse rhinitis control was also associated with anxiety depression, whereas worse asthma control was associated with worse mobility. How does this study impact current management guidelines? This study points to the importance of an adequate asthma and rhinus control, as these conditions appear to distinctly impact key quality of life domains. The next article is Omalizumab Drug Survival in Chronic Urticaria, a retrospective multicentric French study by Latovsky et al. What is already known about this topic? Omalizumab is effective and well-tolerated in antihistamine-resistant chronic spontaneous urticaria. Relapses after omalizumab discontinuation are frequent. However, retreatment with omalizumab is usually effective. Omalizumab discontinuation modalities differ significantly worldwide. What does this article add to our knowledge? In France, where omalizumab is fully reimbursed without a time limit, half of the patients with chronic urticaria were still treated with omalizumab 2.4 years after initiation. Patients with a longer disease duration had a longer duration of omalizumab treatment. Patients with atopic background discontinued omalizumab earlier when they achieved well-controlled disease. Patients with chronic inducible urticaria or an autoimmune background discontinued omalizumab earlier due to its ineffectiveness. How does this study impact current management guidelines? This study emphasizes the need to optimize omalizumab treatment schemes to reduce medical economic costs and improve patients' quality of life. There are unmet needs for the treatment of chronic inducible urticaria. Some patients, but not all, may benefit from omalizumab. The next article is autoimmune diseases and low baseline IgE in chronic spontaneous urticaria, a clinical and therapeutic perspective analysis in real-life clinical practice by Pesquet et al. What is already known about this topic? Autoimmune diseases are associated with chronic spontaneous urticaria, CSU, particularly in the autoimmune CSU subtype. What does this article add to our knowledge? A particular biologic phenotype for patients with autoimmune disease and CSU is described with specific clinical, laboratory, and therapeutic characteristics. Total baseline IgE less than or equal to 43.8 international units per milliliter is detected as a biomarker of autoimmune disease in patients with CSU. How does this study impact current management guidelines? These results suggest the need to assess autoimmune signs and symptoms in patients with CSU with low serum IgE levels. This prospective study supports the existence of an autoimmune phenotype in real-life clinical practice with specific clinical 
and laboratory characteristics. The last article is acquired angioedema due to C1 inhibitor deficiency, a bicenter retrospective study on diagnosis, course, and therapy by Tradati et al. What is already known about this topic? Acquired angioedema with C1 inhibitor deficiency is a rare condition with low C1 inhibitor due to consumption from autoimmune diseases or benign or malignant lymphatic conditions. There is no licensed therapy other than treating the underlying disease if detectable. What does this article add to our knowledge? Diagnostic delay of 7.5 months median is the shortest described so far. One patient had thyroid cancer as the only identified potential cause for acquired angioedema with C1 inhibitor deficiency. Treatment of the cancer resolved the condition. All patients benefited from off-label therapy. How does this study impact current management guidelines? Late-onset facial swellings with low C1 inhibitor are putative for acquired angioedema with C1 inhibitor deficiency, although extremely rare. Patients with no detectable cause for acquired angioedema with C1 inhibitor deficiency could receive off-label therapy according to World Allergy Organization, European Academy of Allergy and Clinical Immunology guidelines for hereditary angioedema, including long-term prophylaxis for severely affected. Thank you for listening to the highlights of the December 2023 issue of the Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology in Practice. This is Michael Schatz, and I hope you will find this issue beneficial for you and your patients.